This episode of the podcast deals heavily with suicide and may cause strong feelings. If you are in any way affected by this episode, links to relevant contacts are in the description. And if you feel particularly vulnerable, please contact 999. Discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Mind of Stigma. This is episode four. I'm joined today with John and obviously my co-host Alex. Cool. Uh, welcome, John. Um, cheers for coming on the podcast, mate. Um, obviously, both myself and Tom know you quite well uh, through obviously the Men's uh, Mind Project uh, group that runs obviously today on a Monday. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to get you on because you've got a real interesting story right for want of better words um and i know me and tom spoke about yourself quite a few times mm-hmm. um you know you play quite a vital role in our group as well so um well, i say our group tom's group um but yeah really wanted to just get your point of view on your mental health your struggles your, your successes you know where you got yourself uh and then obviously your struggles and fallouts from there so yeah i mean um where do you want to start mate where do you want to start start the end Go on and start. We'll go backwards. Yeah, we'll start. Make our way backwards. I mean, I, I, as we said before, uh, I could not even think about me sitting here doing a podcast um, from where I was 2019 and after that, because I've had a few up, up little blips in my health. But I'm pretty proud of where I've got to. But as all people with mental health, you, you, you're, you struggle and you, you, you don't ever um, praise yourself. Um, that's something I never had in, in my life at all, being praised by anybody. Um, not that it's, you know, a, a wonderful thing, but it does help. It does, it does help you to your own self-esteem say, oh, well done, but never had that. We spoke about that though the other day as well. Actually, with enough, you come on straight onto the praise thing. Is that we don't like I said the last podcast, and I think a few people resonated and just come and spoke to me recently about that. Is that um, they said I can't believe what you said, but it actually made sense. Is we don't praise ourselves for having a good day for the good days. You know, we just judge ourselves on the bad days. And um, your story, especially when you've said it to me and Tom before in the past, is about you, you've had a lot more bad days. Uh, like over the few years that's recently gone by yeah. and but you don't judge yourself or you're actually appreciating the good days you really are and i can see that because when we talk especially in the um you know in the group which you know like i said we won't mention names and yeah. that but when you talk i can see you appreciate having a good day now and you appreciate yeah. the little things and you know you don't sweat up the big the big things and all the little stuff you know no that's 100 i do um because of um i realize now that my mental health has been bad all my life. You know, uh, when you're six years old and you're told by your foster parents, do you want to go and live with your real parents? Um, So giving me the decision, that scarred me really all all through. And then finding out during certain parts of your life that um, your father's not your father. I always thought it was the other way around. I thought it was my mother wasn't my mother, but it was my father wasn't my father. Um, And... I was grew up as in a Jewish home, um, so finally I'm not Jewish. My mother was Roman Catholic. My dad wasn't my, my father. Yeah. My, dad, my real dad's Maltese, 
and it's like a, a real bosh. Did you feel like then, um, because obviously that's a lot of information to to take on at different age groups and throughout the years, do you then, did you feel like now coming into like your adult life, you know, probably late teens, early 20s, did you feel like you didn't know where you, like your image, like you didn't know where, what, who to who you combined with in, in society that made you you, if you know what I, I mean? I thought my whole life was a lie. Uh, even though my, my, my mates from school, they said, you know, you know it, no different at all. Um, but then it, I, it, I thought it all settled down. Then when I was 21, 22, I found out that I had a sister in Spain. Ugh, and I always, always thought it was my cousin, you know? And, and when I... I mentioned it to my father. He said, nothing surprises me. And then after that, it was just, I was just the whole time, you know. Um, and I, I ended up working in the city, God knows how, uh, but I did. And I used to self-implode. I did, you know, I was, my first job in the city was at Goldman Sachs. I was there for eight years, doing really, really well. I was headhunted, should never have left, but I did. And I self every time I self destructed. What did that look like? What did that self destruct look like from every like? Is, was it was it always the same? Yeah, it's always financial because I never said no, right. never ever said no to anybody because because I looked at it when I was younger that I didn't I was never treated badly when I was a kid, but I never had a lot. But I so I wanted to get give everybody everything that I could do, yeah. and instead of saying no, I didn't never said no at all. So that just carried on all through my career. I thought, you know, I did very well in the city. And it was never me. I never enjoyed it. I don't know, you know, it's, looking back now, I hated every minute of it, really. Was that uh, because of your personality, looking at you as a person now that I've met now on, on the journey that you're at? It, I don't know whether I look at you and feel like you don't have the personality to do that because you have good, you, you have good intentions. Yes, and that's the thing that... Um, a lot of the things that happen in the city, mm. you know, happen and they try to uh, whitewash it that it's good. Um, but you know in your heart that it's not, you know. And, and realistically, they're having people over left, right and centre. Thankfully, I was in, in institutional, which was um, bank to bank sort of thing rather yeah. than individuals. But where it all went tits up for me was when um, I was approached by some guys to set up a, um, a retail brokerage in the UK. Um, and retail basically is mean there's just a uh, lot individuals buying shares, etc. but this was CFDs, which is different. It's like gambling really. Okay. Um, and I caught on for a while that, yeah, it was, we legitimized that their business in Israel, that's where it was. And we legitimized their business. And they were, you know, they were big celebrities out there. So, you know, and they were all, yeah, all legit, all kosher, as it were. But certain things happen and you think, oh, it's not right. It's not right. Um, and every, everything we tried to do, there was, there was always a break in it. There was always like, they always stopped us. Um, and cut long story short, it all went, it all went tits up. Um, and I just took it all to, to heart, personal. And I had no one to talk to, um, and no one really understood what was going on. It was always like, oh yeah, yeah, this, blah, 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 whatever's going on. And it's, 
I was always seen as a, a joker, you know. So I was always smiling about it all. And then just one night, it just all got to me. And I was just sitting sitting in the lounge by myself, watching the TV, and there was a um, a Poirot program about someone being killed yeah. with insulin, you know. Um, and then there was a comedy program, similar thing about that. Yeah. And then I was just sitting there, and then listening to the radio for a while, then. Mary J. Mary J. Blige, No More Dramas comes on. And that was it. Just got up, went into the kitchen. And it just, it just, the scary thing was that it felt like the most natural thing in the world to do. Um, I, yeah, it is. And it just felt, and it was just like, everything was going, shh. And it was just like, so, you know, I, t I took a, a hell of a dose. And, um, but it didn't really, not much happened. Until the next morning, when I was just like all over the place, yeah. um, and then I told my wife what happened, etc. And I, sh you know, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, when the ambulance came, uh, the police came as well because apparently I said I want to drive the car, so she was worried. Um, and the the ambulance crew were fantastic. You know, I really thought they were going to be quite belligerent and quite aggressive, but they were fantastic. Mm. Um, and when I got me, got me to Whips Cross, I think it was Whips Cross, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, they got me to the hospital and yeah, they were very good. And I ended, and next thing you know, I was asleep sort of thing yeah. and woke up and there's all my friends around me. I thought, what's going on here? You know, oh, oh. I can't even do that. You know, I can't even kill myself right. You know, I, I screwed everything up with what I've done in my life. Can't even do that right. The old cliche, as it were. Did you judge yourself on that? I don't know. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I said, oh, I can't do that right. Did that make because that like when we've spoken about this before, and obviously Debbie last week, and I talking about her husband, um, and I, like you had that thought in your mind. He, I don't know how long he had that thought in his mind for, and it was saying that he did, and he'd done it, and done it for his own reasons. But did you have it in your head that that was something? Is that something you always thought about then, or, or was that just a momentary? In I'm going to just go no, for it. In the I'm past, no, no. In the past, I have, um, but I've never actually acted on it. The suicide thoughts, but then any actions ever? No, no. This, but this time it felt right. It just, it just felt natural, and I found that quite daunting. Um, so then, yeah. So in the hospital. And it was basically, I, I, I had to make sure I, they stabilised me um, and they um, were going to put me in an institution sort of thing. But they couldn't find a place. So there was, up in Scotland, they were looking at everywhere. Let's, like, so free, like freeze there then. So that, so because that then jumps into a whole other thing. And, um, and we've, uh, you know, you've discussed it loads of the group about uh, the, the next stage of it. And obviously that, your experience with that is also so vital because I think so many people have experienced it at a different side. But um, what were you going to say, Tom? Because I thought what you were about to say. Um, no, all I was going to say was uh, when you woke up and you see all your friends and family around you, what was your first kind of thought that came to your head? What was that first reaction? First, my first thought was, oh, shit, I can't do that right. But when I saw them around, I couldn't believe it. And the way I've described it before is... When you do an action, it's like dropping a stone into the water and it goes out with ripples. And you don't realise 
who you touch in your life. I had friends, all walks contacting me, you know, because they, 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 they found out what was going on, my wife, whatever. Friends contacted me, uh, school friends contacted me. But, you know, didn't No one judged me. But what happens is that once that ripple goes out, it then hits a wall mm -hmm. and it comes back at you like a tsunami yeah. of emotion. And that is quite hard to deal with, um, whether it's guilt, whether it's... Do you reckon that was more damaging than your thoughts initially to do the act? Yeah, because you're not... Yeah, no, because it, it, uh, you're not... Or I wasn't given the tools to cope with that as of yet. Yeah. Um, but when I was... So when I went into the institution, um, as usual, three o'clock in the morning, yeah. <laughs> they have a cloak of darkness. They take you off to wherever it is, um, and it was, was it was Mama's uh, King George's somewhere around there in in, in Ilford, and um, it was horrendous. Talk to us a little bit about what you saw in in that in these environments, and then how it impacted you. It's a prison. Yeah. No matter what they say, it's a prison. Um, you're treated like prisoners, even though they try and not treat you like prisoners, but it is. Um, there's people there that shouldn't be there. Uh, there's asylum seekers there. There's ex-convicts there. There's guys that have eating disorders that have been put in, into care since they're 12 years old. And it is, it is, um, it is shocking. Uh, it was so far out of my comfort zone that so much so that and I knew I was going into it my, for my friend Craig to shave all my hair off because I had to because I had long hair at the time. I, I had to get the persona that I'm going to be a tough person in there rather than otherwise get eaten alive. Yeah. There, there was some very dark humour, very dark humour. Well, I took him with me. I mean, I'm not religious whatsoever. I took the Old Testament in with me because I wanted to get better. And the Old Testament is a hard read. Mm. It's a very hard read. So it's the only way I thought to actually get my mind. Do you have to uh, delve into something that's bigger than you potentially? Whether you believe you or not, you know. That's the thing that that but that thing I've spoken about with someone before is when there was a oh, I don't know why, but I've turned to looking at X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, it's because you want to think about your meaning in life, mm. and then and then push it, push the. The, the the evidence that there is around other life forms or other ways of love and see actually if there's better ways of coping and i think people look at it as a strategy and i know like i'm like you said i'm not a religious person either but i get how it's a strategy for some people i get that it, not only that you can use it as a strategy but can you actually go there's parts to the way that they're talking that you can understand that maybe it's about looking at yourself as a different sort of individual but a lot of it i realized this is just recently yeah that I did it because I knew there'd be a lot of Muslims in there, mm. and I, you know, it's and I'm being Jewish. Yeah. It's just it, it was still a self-destruct thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to 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 maybe get some reaction from them, but the reaction I got was quite surprising because they they thought, oh, you're Jewish, you can do magic. <laughs> I, I mean, that's serious, you know. And it was it was, and I got them reading, and I know I'm a, I'm a not. A, I like to tell people things that, that help them. And they didn't realise half the stuff I told them that how close the Jewish and Muslim religion is, etc. Oh, and they went, really? And they showed how they were, they were indoctrinated. 
but there was one night it was it started coming into next phase the, the first night um there was some i know there was a guy looking watching me the whole time i was very aware of it and i got i went into my my, my, my cell my room whatever it is um and i don't knock on the, on, the, on the thing i've opened it this this six foot six asian guy he says what are you reading i told him the old testament turned around and walked away the next morning he attacked three members of staff he was the most violent person in there but i didn't know that didn't know that at all and then a couple of days later um i got up in the middle of the night i just don't know why he was going to go the way and there's, there's, there's a guy sitting there and he's like growling i've never seen him before and he's got a leopard skin jack jacket on growling so i've gone to the uh reception guys there i said you know he's a bit you know oh no he's fine he's fine he's fine next morning it's all kicked off he's he's went to attack the guy i was talking to mm. um well i've got the, the the sort of carers in there to involved they've sent me out to the to the the garden to be with the other guy that got attacked i've turned around and i was i'm going there he's come come at me and i said go on then I just just again because i was in such a and he's, he's punched me i'll never forget he's punched me in my chest mm. didn't feel a thing did not well my, obviously my adrenaline's going yeah. whatever i'm not on medication at that time i just i don't think and now so i've gone i've gone right that's it he's, he's had his first one now i'm gonna go and they they told me no no he's not well i said pub yeah. and i am yeah, yeah. you know um but he attacked me later on in the day he got my scars down my arms and everything and he, he, he didn't get a, um a, a, the older a medical truncheon until later on when he attacked member of staff but that in itself put me into um a where i definitely wanted to get better i knew i wanted to get better and when i had some friends come and visit me that, that they were it was totally out of their comfort zone and that just just and then when my wife came my daughter, youngest daughter wanted to come and what was the reception you'd get from your family from being there because i think that they was saw it and they, yeah they 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 were scared for me because you don't know the because with stuff like that i mean obviously i, I worked in the prisons for quite a long mm. time um well a shortish period but a long enough time to know about the ins and outs of mental health when you're inside an institution but um you know i really struggled to see families looking at their partners and, and um, sons daughters whatever else and and not judging them for the way that they looked as well and behaved and the other people that they were around and not thinking are you actually not one of those or are you, are you going to become that or yeah. and it's scary because it's an unknown thing especially if you've entered an environment like that for the first time ever yeah. you know being as someone that started off with a level of mental health that most people have i'd say is that work stress self-destruct everyone does that a lot of people do especially in the games that you're in yeah. that's that but then when you move away from that like you did and then it really fell off the wagon and you've ended up where you've gone that must have been for the people around you as much as you horrifying and horrifying and, scary. And, if, and, and i look back now and it's it's my, my closest friend um who's been brilliant um he came to visit me and it's totally alien really is totally alien and um i remember the door was opened and he was we were talking in there and this ed pops around can you go and get some gear for us 
And, and my friend looks at me and said, I think you better go. <laughs> uh, and always, it always kicked off on a Wednesday. And when, my, and, and it, you know, a couple of times it kicked off, my wife was there and it was really, I mean, really bad. And to be fair, you know, the one, the, the guy that kicked it off actually came and apologised to me and said, I'm sorry, you know, because your wife was there. Sort of show. But, it, it, you know, it's very, it was a violent, violent thing. The, the, they tried to get me on medication there, and I wasn't having any of it. What sort of medication were you? I don't know. It's a little pill, and I know I had it once. Yeah. And it was they let me out on, on sort of on release sort of thing, and it, it it made me a zombie, as big as a you know a pinhead. Yeah, yeah. And it just knocked me for six. Going back to you, like you saying about your friends and family. Yeah. They say your times are your heart uh, hardship is when you know your true your true friends and family are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I could go back with that because when obviously a little while back when I had my yeah. turn, I didn't hear from a lot of people that I thought I would have heard from, but I heard from people that I didn't think I would hear from. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I know people. Some people find it hard, don't they? They don't know how to talk about. It. They don't know how to. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, I was hearing from like you know people that I didn't. I ain't heard from for ages, yes. and then like, there's people who are, I'm friends with. I talk to every day that I didn't, I, I didn't hear a whistle from. Yes. I mean, my brother and sister. I mean, my brother he, he'll contact me. He suffers himself. Uh, my sister, she, I didn't hear from her. I, I didn't hear from her, and uh, I think it was probably about two weeks late or something. And she messaged me and said that I'm really sorry. I haven't messaged her. She went, but um, she went, I just thought I was letting you kind of like, you know, let you be kind of thing. And it was only talking to her, and then I realized my brother's had a word of her and said, oh, you know, you should contact, but she just doesn't know, I didn't know how to do it. I mean, I don't resent it for it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, people just, just don't know to act to it. That is the problem, um, the education of people, um, because everybody's suffering with mental health, no matter what. But some people, the special people, um, uh, take it a bit far. And society, over the years hasn't helped with um the way we react to it you know in the old days they used to put nails in your head for your eyes and and give you lobotomies and that sort of stuff um but again we ha we haven't come far enough uh to put people understanding to um how to respond to family friends to to actually um notice the, the little triggers the little the things when someone's really active and they go really quiet. Yeah. So there's, those are the sort of things that need to be looked at. And to be fair, it is still so much, so much to, to go through. Do you think then, like, so I always, I get this with a lot of the guys that come through here and just general the people that I've worked with over the years is that I actually generally end up doing sometimes more work with the families than I do the with the individual because the individual, I have to explain that the, and as a person, you continue, you're going to carry that forever. Right. And, and you have carried it, but it came out in the way it came out, you know, and, uh, fortunately it didn't work, which for some people was actually unfortunate at the time, you know, and it can feel like that, but I have to explain to the family about, uh, you know, signs and symptoms, um, about how to talk to someone actually, and, and to almost reteach the basic skill of having a conversation right and and not having to beat around the bush sometimes or figuring out how an individual um feels in that moment in time you know picking up on you know the the social cues around how you might start looking differently when you're out and about you might start feeling anxiety or how your tablets affect you and it's 
it's about the education again, isn't it? It's almost like it has it takes something and it's that whole it takes something really bad happen before people start switching on. And it's sad because it's normally families that say, I wish I knew more about this before so that I could have identified that. And it's sad because I think same for you, Tom, you know, and I know your um, missus is overly supportive, but it's even when you've got that person right next to you by your side, it's you educate that person every day on, on you as an individual. And I think it's such a wide thing, but it starts with the basic teachings, whether it be in school, you know, where we, we could talk about earlier or later on, we'll talk about it, about clubs, you know, sports clubs and that. Just making it part of a routine of communication about how you feel, you know, and to, to make it, to normalise it, it, it should happen. But I think, like you said, that for your family and for your friends, you're going to find that split difference of some that just, you know what, won't even acknowledge it, but are there to help you and some that acknowledge it to the point where they have to ignore it, but ignore communication with because they don't know how to communicate with it. 100%. And that's the, it's the old adage, you know, you know, you, you can't be bothered, you don't know how to react, or you've got so much going on in your own life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking back on, from, for me, um, when I got out of the institution, after about a month and a half, I think, um, it was... A real, because if I stayed in there any longer, I could have been institutionalized, yeah. and that is very. It, it's, it's so easy to get institutionalized, um, you know, because everything's done for you, but you know your food, etc. Do you think that then? Do you think like so? Think about the institutionalizing thing. Is that something then? Do you think that is at the detriment of places like this? Do you think it actually it affects more people than it would potentially help? Do you think actually if you was left in the a community? with a real good mental health nurse, a team, as you know, like they have, you know, but maybe a little bit built, more better um, funded, do you think that you would have progressed a lot quicker? Oh, oh definitely. Because when I was in there, um, they had the CQC coming in and yeah. uh, Quality Care Commission. Yeah. And um, I remember the manager manager of the, uh, um, air, the, the ward um, said, well, it's got us all, all together. Yeah. She said, um, they're coming in today, tomorrow, and so basically, you want you to be your best behaviour. Da, 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 da. And I said to her, I said, I said, listen, what you're doing is is fraudulent. Then how do you know I'm not a, a secret shopper? And she looks at me, what? I said, I, I could be from the CQC yeah. listening to you. Um, you've added, you bought extra staff in. So basically, in the kitchen, when you instead of having one person, you had three people serving lunch. Um, and I turned around and said, well, what, why don't you get? Um, some of the inmates there yeah. to help, you know, serve the lunch. You know, give them give them jobs to do. Oh, then we then we got to pay them. So they don't. Right. They, they, you can basically, you know, give them you know, volunteer roles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it's it's all it was all weird. So they come in and I've let them out and I'm all have it. But I just told them what it is. See, well, I've known you for quite some time now, John, and uh, you also. Very similar, you're very similar to me. You're, you're an advocate for mental health now, mm. you know, and you've been doing your bit to help the communities as well. And uh, just tell us a little bit about your um, the football you're involved in and all that. And yeah. uh... when I came out of uh, the institution, I got involved in, uh, with a thing called Coping Through Football, which is over in Essex, which is a, a most amazing, amazing thing. And it's um, in, in association with the NHS. Um, basically, everybody they've they've made it from 
from seven year olds upwards um, at different different uh, times and days, etc. Involved with football clubs, but it's the day to play football. Yeah. So when we, I moved over to, to Kent um, after my sepsis episode and whatever, um, I, I was keen to get it to over here. So middle of the night, as you do when you you know you wake up, I've got, I've got on the Kent FA website and I've just seen oh look, there's a a thing about football. So I've messaged this guy. Next morning he's messaged me back. Um, so we had discussions about it, and they they do. Ken FA do assist with some um, football sessions in the area, um, but they are just football sessions. They're not with the NHS because that's what I really wanted to get into. Because yeah. you know, people that people that really need it. I'm not saying the guys that do it now aren't needing it, but it's people that that are been released from hospital. Uh, you know, pro- you know, really, really depressed, etc. So it's taken a while. Um, but today we had 18 people there. I think 18 people there, and it was great. Um, there was one guy there, there for the first time today, and he's in, he's in his trousers and whatever. And he said, Oh, I'm a bit out of my depth. And so, what I did was we started with walking football, so got him involved in that. He made a couple of good saves, and, and then as the game, games went on, put it into normal football, and he still got interactive into it. I said to him, Well, you weren't out your depth, were you? And he smiled, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and it's getting the endorphins going. Um, so now what we're doing is um, I'm meeting with one on the, on the 18th with another guy from the Kent FA. Uh, who knows uh, the guy from Coping Through Football? Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and expand it, make sure we have because they don't realise what they've got because they're involved in the NHS. Yeah. They don't realise what they've got. Um, and the NHS have asked me to go in and do, do, do a couple of chats with the senior people there as well, um, because you know we are scratching it over here, and we, you know, there's so many people that need it, and it's not only football, it's any sport, you know, and that, and it's, it shows the people there that um, that we care about them. What does sport do for you then, like as a as a person that's going through what you've or what you've gone through and, and how are you coping still? Yeah. What does football like? What does actual football do for you as a person? Like, if you could just summarize it, what does it actually do? Like, partaking, watching it, it's, being part of that community. I can't play now because of my hips and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's giving people that don't normally have the op- opportunity the facilities to do these things that you know when i my when i start off it's people with mental health don't really talk you know and that's the thing and i'm you know and when you're on a football field you must talk yeah so when they're passing the ball they're like like, pass pass and i encourage them to talk and you know if they don't talk then whatever they they, they, they do a forfeit um but it's it's you can't be too too tough on them, no, but there's, there's 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 some talented boys there that come along, you know, really talented boys, um, and it's 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 heartbreaking to see. Uh, it is you know because people just are oblivious to it all, and, and I've said it before, and I think it's it's it's, it's an epidemic. It is really an epidemic, um, and. And it's not getting any better. It's not getting any easier. And whether it's like people blame mobile phones, laptops, or whatever, but it's just basically 
it's good on talking. You know, when they're the ITV side, it's good to talk. Yeah. Um, that, you know, in itself, it's true. And you sit around dinner time, and everybody's on their phones at dinner. Yeah. You know, and where's the art conversation gone? It's heavily technology nowadays, isn't it? It is. You know, it's all technology, all phones, either that, your laptop, like say computers. And uh, just interacting face to face is sometimes well, enough, you know? It makes me laugh because there's guys there that just do things and and they all enjoy it. And, you know, to me, that is one of the best things I can do because I can't do things at the moment properly. Um, I can't work. Um, but so now I'm, you know, spending my time looking to expand this. Um, I'm, I'm involved in another charity called Jamie in North London. And on the 12th, I've got to sit down with an MP uh, to talk about suicide. Mm. Um, so the more that we can do to get out there, and I'll talk to I talk to anybody. You know, there, I was where was I? I was I was I can't remember. My wife's going to a hospital appointment, I think. And I was just out standing outside. This and this woman saw me walking over this crutch. And what happened to you? Got in a conversation, and she knew my original surgeon from from my hip. And we got talking. And it was amazing, and we and she's walked away like with this little step and a step and a phone. I did as well, and that's what doesn't happen anymore. People don't look at you in the eyes. Do you think it's offloading? Like, I like it because uh, people call it like you know the art of communication, but I think it's like the art of offloading because if you think about it realistically, right? When you're talking, especially when you're talking about things happen to you, so it's it's you, not about something you've learned or heard. It's about you, so it's not like you know I'm going to go and do a mental health awareness thing. It's a person, a real person talking about a real issue, right? And then what you what they do is then they can sit there and put, try and put themselves in your shoes and go. Wow, this is big. Like, actually, this is something I need to start. I need to set up straight and never look listen to this because. But there's, but there's there's an old adage that there's always someone worse off than you. Is that dangerous? Is that dangerous yes. thing? Isn't it? It's dangerous. It's very dangerous because it doesn't help, um, and it's something that you think, oh, there's always something. There, there is always someone. No matter what, there's always going to be someone richer than you, someone poorer than you. So, you know, exactly. So you can't. I think what's happened is when I did my, my CBD course, whatever it is, um, or CBT course, it worked and it didn't work. It just make it does help you highlight certain issues, certain things, um, but you have to really you stand to yourself, and that's a horrible thing to say yeah. because no one can help you except for yourself um and it's it's a struggle you you need to want you need to want to know about it that that's the thing again of people put it to you want it's either at the forefront of your mind and you're worried about other people and you care you know and you you, you have that empathy or you're like that is too heavy at the moment for me to take on and that's when i mean tom you've probably seen it more than uh, other people and i've i've seen it here is when people are ready to step out from behind the curtain and go i'm not well like I didn't believe in this shit, and that was me. I didn't believe in this shit. I don't think it, it matters. Blah, blah blah. Like that person was basically a weak person, but and now I'm like, okay, well that's me now. So I'm I'm at sorry, but yeah, can, let's sort this out. CBT, like you're saying about CBT, I had CBT a few years ago, well, and I agree with what you're saying. It helped me enough. Don't get me wrong. It reason I started Men's Mind was because of the CBT yeah. because I see how it, you know, it done, and I I struggled to talk still having a cbt i really found it hard to unload but i found it easier to unload 
to people like yourselves and that, you know, yeah. someone who's been there, someone who I know has had that issue. I mean, talking about mental health now, I love it. I love talking about mental health. I will sit there and I will talk about mental health mm. until the cows come home, you know, but then talk about something else, I might struggle. Yeah. But talking about mental welfare, I know it's making a difference to someone and somebody's listening and they might take something away from it is a big thing. And I, and I think, you know, more people need to be talking about it. It's not enough people talking about it. You know, like, like we said, you know, there's not enough people talking about it. But in, if everyone spent half an hour a day talking about it, you know, just talking about it. I mean, one thing that's really affected me recently is anxiety. And that's something that, looking back, you know, you had a bit of nerves when you're going out, sort of thing. But we we were going to a friend's 60th birthday party, and the close, you know, good good friends didn't want to go. Came came to it, didn't want to go. Why though? Why? What what I what just, actually creeps in at that moment in time? I don't know. I just don't know. It just, just came over me. Is it something like because I find it hard to explain to my missus or to anyone why I feel or even why sometimes I say what I say because I'm basically self-destructing that moment. Say that basically it's not that I don't want to go, but instead of saying that, I'm like, don't really like that person, don't really know what to wear, don't really care. Like, and I'm, I do care. Like I, I care about the person we're going to go and see, but I just don't feel very sociable enough or something. I don't know. It was just, just didn't want to go, and then what? And my wife said, have a, have a sleep. So I had an hour sleep, woke up, and we went. Uh, when I got there, it was like, oh, you know, it was like, oh. Yeah, hot, yeah. I'll get that. I mean, anxiety is a big thing with me as well. I never had it. Never, never had it. I wake up some days and I don't want to do something. But you saying going to party and that. I, I've, many times I've been invited to places, I get nervous, get, you know, really clammy, throat feels like it's closing up. and. Yeah. But then when I get there, sometimes I feel fine. Sometimes at first I can be a bit like, oh, God, I'm always looking around and I'm, look, I'm constantly like... I look at it sometimes. I mean, I look at looking back, looking back, because I used to go, go when I go out to the boys, whatever, and I went, as soon as I had enough, I'd go. Yeah. And that in itself, I look back now and I'm, I thought, oh, that's signs of it. Like, that thing where you just like, you know, when you've had enough, you just go, boom. Yeah. No one knows where you've gone, you just gone. Yeah. yeah. I've done that, and I've been doing it for years, and that's weird that you say that, because I've never put two and two together, but now I'm sitting there going, I used to just bug out, people are like, where did you go last night? I went, oh, it's went home. But I didn't even see the door move, let alone you go, and I was like, well, when I'm done, I'm done. Well, the amount of times I've been, I'm like a jack-in-the-box all the time, yeah, yeah. and also I go, oh, I can't sleep there. Yeah, yeah. And it's... <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's something we've always had though, because I'm the same. I do that as well. I'm yeah. one minute I'm absolutely buzzing. Uh, people go, mm, you something wrong with you over there, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm sloth mode. I'm completely barely moving. Probably could close my eyes, sleep, sleep six, seven hours straight. And uh, yeah, I get that. I think this is why mental health so is so interesting, and that's why I think so many more people are interested in it because it you can. You could almost become a, a better a better individual for knowing more, hundred percent for knowing more about mental health. But secondly, be more productive with your day if you understand your mental, uh, your not just your physical, but your mental being as well as that. And I think that's something that your group allows, and you've obviously taken full advantage of. And you just said that earlier. Yeah, I mean, I've I personally think that I've come on leaps and bounds since I going to the Monday night group yeah. um, because. You know, all the characters that are there. Yeah. And 
not obviously not naming names, but it's it's it is whole plethora different people, yeah. different walks of societies. There's you know people that don't even talk. There's people that do talk. Um, there's people that just you know just whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's no one judge, no one judges. And I'll also like it. It's, it's it's you know there's not no clinical uh, discussions there. The way I'd want to do it, it's like it's not clinical, you yeah. know. Yeah, and that is so. You know, well, we we obviously had discussions about about our medication and stuff, and how wonderful it is a man boobs and stuff. You yeah. know, yeah. you know, I'm a 36 C now. You know, um, but yeah, it's just, and I think that the, you touched on you know, the other week about you know the doctors, you know, having a looking at you know, once once a couple of months looking yeah. at you know your, your tablets and stuff and medication. Um, you know, am I going to be on on sexual lean for the rest of my life? Thought I was just talking about the other week when I was saying that in the group we all had that anxiety, and it's weird because I thought I sat there and thought, I, well, I hadn't thought about it, and then all of a sudden when I did, I had a moment where my anxiety, and I thought, like, like I was saying, I don't know if this is it. I'm ever going to come off this, and then I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, because like we were saying before, some people are on blood thinners their whole life, and no one would blink. But because it is surrounding mental health, it's like a taboo thing. It's like, oh, well, if I'm going to go for this job or if I'm going for X, like, I don't really want that on there. It's like having a speeding thing on your license. You're a bit like, oh, I can't wait for that to go. Well, I look, I look, the way I look at it is wrong, I suppose, because I look at it, I'm in the ultimum of my life. So it doesn't really matter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're on the way out, it's done, it's finished, it's yeah. Right. I'm like a cat with nine lives. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's something that is a concern because you don't, you don't know what you're putting inside your body. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrendous. But it, it I think it's got me to a, a, a plateau. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't get as aggravated anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, right, so, so not get explode, but I just to just get angry. And I don't do that anymore. I just, I just don't. Yeah, I mean... I think, as far as like I'm concerned, I think medication has done the right things for me for now, and that's what yeah. I need to just like remember. But if in in summary, then like to, because obviously, mate, on John, we talk all day. Like I, could, I mean, you're like me; we can chat all day, and I'm um, running out of tape, aren't we? Oh, 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 showing your age. You're shot, yeah. That's definitely showing your age. Uh, allow me to say, just thanks for coming on, no, John. It's been it's been great having you. Like I say, thank you because you know, without your group, yeah. it's 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 a fantastic group, and what you've done and come through yourself and Alex as well, your experiences. I mean, it has helped. I mean, how many members now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is every day, and you must be really proud of yourself. I am. I mean, you make my head get bigger, <laughs> bigger than it already is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but um, the wizard is going to make my head go bigger on the camera now. But um. No, but thank, like I say, thanks for coming along again, mate. It's, it's great to have you on, and uh, it's great to talk about your side of it. And... I mean, we skipped over quite a few things, but, you know. Uh, same thing, like I said to Debbie, we'll get you back on. Yeah. I think, you know, um, uh, they'll be more focused on maybe potentially a certain area if you want to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I like to get talked about, you know, that when I came lived over here and I got the sepsis, yeah. that in itself was an adventure for myself and my wife. Yeah. Because basically it, it was I was a prisoner in my own in my own apartment for yeah. seven eight months. 
there's so much we can talk yeah. about. No, I can't wait. Um, no, we'll get back on, John, I promise, man. Yeah, I think we got, yeah, you know, we're definitely going to have you back on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I say it's great to uh, be having you, John, and, you know, always a pleasure for me as well. But um, that's all we've got time for today, guys. Um, we will be back next time for episode five. five? Yeah. yeah, five. Episode five. And uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you guys for watching and. Uh, do you want to do your little like to subscribe yes, and all always. that? Yes, mate. Always subscribe, like, follow. Um, just get on all, all the platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Swipe. If you're swiping, then you're on Tinder. Yeah. You're on the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't do that because now my miss is going to kick off. But I'm, I'm not on Tinder. No swiping frown. I'm not there, I promise. Yeah. But um, I'd like to say, guys, uh, thank you very much for watching and we yeah. will see you soon. Cheers.